Do you know how upset I was when I saw that? I was like, that asshole has every f***ing bourbon that I want. I don't have any of these. Oh, no. I don't have any of the. Actually, no, that's not true. I have a tiny little bit of 40. Whiskey, whiskey. The singer's getting sore. We raised the roof. Now we're lowering the floor. The band is blistering, but we got a little more. When I say one, two, you say three, four. One, two, three, four. Welcome to episode 30 of The Whiskey Topic. My name is Mark Bylock, and I am here, as always, with Jamie Johnson. Uh, today's topic is going to be non-distilling producers, and we're going to talk about barrel selection and about whiskey news. And of course, as always, we have a uh, big thanks to Alan Doyle for providing the song for our podcast, 1234, which is all about whiskey. Um, and Jamie, apparently um, there's been a video released of this song, which I'm thrilled about, and apparently you are in the video. <laughs> no, don't look for me. That's a rumor. It's a terrible, terrible rumor. I'm so I guess we should qualify. You're, you're not. You're not like in the video, as in like on stage. No. Um, no. But you are in oh the my video, god! You're hilarious. But you are in the video, as in nah. people might be able to see you in the crowd. Maybe I wasn't gonna be because I had picked a nice spot in the very back of the room with my friend Kristen, and we were successfully hiding from all the cameras and just being very low key. And then we got called to stand at the front, in the front row, um, which was, like, mostly mortifying for me because I don't like not being in control of, like, the camera that takes a picture of my face. I really like selfies. I'm super on board for them, but I can't I, – I, I don't like other cameras around. Anyways, long story short, I'm in this video somewhere, and – Please don't look for me. It's just know that oh. I was there and I was having a great time. Well, now I know where to look for you. You're going to be at the front. This is good. I, this is good. I, <laughs> I'm mostly blocked, actually, by like people that are much better looking than I am, So, which is good. I kind of use good-looking people as like a human shield. Like, so you were still avoiding the camera. Always, like my whole life is just avoiding cameras that might get a picture of me like eating or like doing something silly. And yeah. <laughs> well, we're we're thrilled that Alan Doyle has let us use the song for the theme. Um, as we joke about that, he wrote it for our podcast, but ah! he really didn't. And um, and also, Alan Doyle, you, you were mentioned earlier that he's on tour through Canada um, with the Bare Naked Ladies. Yes, that's going to be a super fun fun time. So I highly suggest everybody run out and buy a ticket because it's going to be such a cool night uh, in Toronto. They're here in November at Massey Hall, which is going to be quite the time. But, uh, yeah, we love it. We love the, uh, the album and, um, we love the video, every single part of it that doesn't have me in it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll we'll have the video in the show. You can all look and say, where's Waldo with Jamie's face? Oh, no, please don't do that. (laughs) I actually, if someone can Photoshop me in like a red cap and like a, a red and white striped shirt i would that would be hilarious just kidding don't do that don't do that because then you have to look for me so just like just leave it be everybody just leave it be i'm uh drinking um fall it's fall time so i'm gonna get into peated scotch i'm backlogged on my I'm backlogged on my uh, bourbon reviews but it's gonna be all peated and uh whiskeys from scotland i'm starting off the year october or the fall official season's getting cold here uh with lafroy quarter cast i love this stuff so good Kind of the original no eight statement scotch, right? It's uh, it four quarter cask has been around for a little while. Um, not released with an eight statement. It's uh, matured and it's uh, finished off in smaller barrels. 
Um, and it's just a uh, great peated whiskey. I'm jealous. Now I want a peated whiskey. I've got a Talisker here, but it's not, it's, it's, it's good. It's, it, it's not, you know, it's not Laphroaig, um, quarter cask, but it's, uh, it's, it does a trick. I just need mm-hmm. to invest in some more. Cause you're right. Fall is really perfect for peated scotch and it's smoky and it's earthy. And so, um, I mean, I love fall so much and, and I'm, yeah, I'm on board with that peated yeah, scotch. I was going to say the only, the only, uh, the only problem is my, uh, my taste buds are kind of a little off. I keep getting like even more burnt notes on it than usual. I, hmm. Nicole made this, um, uh, she called it, it's called sun butter. Mm-hmm. It's sesame seed butter. Like she made it at, you know, here she took sesame seeds, roasted them, put some little bit of sugar, some vanilla in them. It's friggin' delicious. And of course, Nicole eats the stuff with like, you know, with like broccoli and with like other th- vegetable things. And she cuts up an apple and I'm just like, hmm, and I just stuffed a spoonful in my mouth. So You're not, everything yep. tastes like roasted sunflower buttery danger 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 there are some things you just can't your taste buds can't recover from for a little while like when we were drinking those ipas one day before uh a whiskey tasting and uh we were both like "Uh (laughs) uh-oh we shouldn't have had this beer this this specific beer just killed our taste buds and so we were just like well bourbon you should be getting caramel toffee Sugar, vanilla, vanilla. <laughs> burnt sugar, yeah. burnt sugar. What are you um, all tasting? <laughs> uh, it, you know, I think people love when uh, when you have like a spontaneous correlation with what you're drinking. And I think you know on the podcast you kind of hear when when you know one of us has this association with a whiskey. It's like it just it's spontaneous and it makes sense and it works really really well. And then when you but it doesn't come out all the time either. Like you kind of have to you know you're you're you've got to have the ideal palate you yeah. gotta have depends what you ate how long ago did you eat this is we're recording just after lunch you know yeah not an ideal time for the palate no no that's why you always say the morning is the best time morning is the best time <laughs> uh i, I am texting you at 9 a.m though i'm like so no it's fine <laughs> <laughs> i'm usually up by then now like i just i've i am getting into more of a like an actual like not sleeping until nine. I'm actually like up at seven thirty every day. Not drinking though. Um, no. But you know, yeah. I I couldn't I couldn't really get into it. Like coffee and whiskey. It was really. I was trying my best. If I had like if I had a goal, like when you write a book, you're like, okay, I have to do some serious tasting notes here. I have to really focus. I have to do this. I have to you know. Or if you're somebody who does this for a living, then like yes. But, like, for me to get up and just start tasting whiskey at 9 a.m., it felt a little, like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, hmm. <laughs> I don't know. If there was an end goal in mind, then, like, yeah, I can totally see it. No problem whatsoever. If, you know, Buffalo Trace or whatever was paying me to be a taster, then, like, there I am, 9 a.m., ready to go. But right. rolling out of bed and being like, all right, let's taste some whiskey. With absolutely nothing else on <laughs> on tap for it, it's just like, oh, okay, trouble, yeah. yeah. Productivity, uh, like it down. Um, so I'm drinking. Uh, speaking of Buffalo Trace, uh, Buffalo Trace Experimental Collection. Um, 
came through the LCBO, I think, last year. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. Oh, uh, I love that that release. That was really, yeah, really good. Yeah, they were very cool. We were really lucky to get them. And I, I mean, I don't know if we'll ever see any, any more of them again or whatever, but they were super cool. Um, it was cool to have them. And there were some restaurants in Toronto that were uh, that had a bunch of different ones, too. And it was kind of neat to – I remember you had the oat one, I think, one day. Yeah, at a restaurant. Yeah, yeah the, the oat one, which it is was, so weird. It was a weird. It was a weird one. This one's actually really delicious. It's um, I I might have drank this before on a podcast. Um, I cannot recall, so I can't remember uh, if I've had this one before. But what I love about them is uh, the labeling. It because they really. I mean, it does seem like uh, something that. Uh, you feel kind of, I said this about Maker's Mark 46. I really like something that looks like it's special and it's not just like one sort of churned out label. It's uh, like, it obviously is. It's not like handwritten or anything like that, but, <laughs> but it's all the information's on it. So the type of, of whiskey it is, um, how much came out of like how much it yielded so like this had two barrels uh the date it was distilled the date it was barreled so basically all the nerdy information that you want to know about this um experimental collection is on there so like even um this like the staves like how long they were um seasoned for um what what number char it is um so this one is mash bill number one um uh and what was the so the experiment was rye bourbon 115 uh, barrel entry proof of rye bourbon mash number one will impact bourbon's flavor right that's the 115 120 125 yep yeah um and uh bottled at 90 um proof so yeah it's they're really like neat little things um small bottles this one was expensive i mean they are all expensive like given they're yeah. 375 milliliters but super neat to have in the collection super cool um these ones came out really well unlike maybe we should talk a little bit about the uh failed experiment that we got to try yeah yeah i mean it just goes to show you buffalo trace is um really really great at experimentation and also quality control um so we were uh, you know, earlier in the year, they had released, uh, there was a press release that there was, you know, this 26-year-old bourbon that, I, I guess the story was, it was a found barrel um, somewhere in the warehouse, and they just, they were going to release it, and, and then they were like, no, this is this is terrible. We can't possibly, um, we can't possibly release this to the public. Um, so I kind of asked them, like, hey, can we have a sample of that? I'm just kind of really curious what that would taste like. Um, and Buffalo Trace being awesome, they're just like, sure, you know, we, we've got a little bit left. Well, why don't we, uh, let you taste them? They actually gave us a sample bottle to take across the border, which I was really, <laughs> Glenn and I were in the car. We we're so nervous. We're you like, guys were oh, really man. nervous. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, this is like, there's like not for resale. I mean, I'll we'll, we'll post a link to the Instagram photo of it, but it's like not for resale. It's very clear. This is not like, you know, and it's also like a char at the bottom. It, it looks, it, it doesn't look appealing. I mean, it's, you, <laughs> if you look at whiskey from like, what does it look like? What does it smell like? What does it taste like? No, it, it's, there's just like this, lots of char at the bottom. Um, and uh, yeah, and they were very nice to, to hand this to us. And it was really, so we got to taste it. We got to taste what this failed experiment tastes like. Uh, what's a bad whiskey? And it was kind of bad. Oh, it was bad. It was really bad. I, I, the nose on it immediately, I remember, and I was like, it tastes like, it's like 
sorry, it smells like glue. Um, and it was, it was bad. And actually someone on my Instagram commented that old blowhard is also 26 year old bourbon. Uh, and they're right of the, the Diageo orphan barrel collection. Old blowhard mm-hmm. is a 26 year old and, uh, definitely doesn't taste like that. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I always uh, they're they're gonna hate us speculating about this, but um, I always um, I always wonder like did Buffalo Trace release this because they're like basically sticking into Diageo like just because you found some old orphan barrel doesn't mean it's a good barrel of whiskey right and um, and here's like the, here's here's a Buffalo Trace being like hey we found an old barrel too but it's pretty bad but so. it's pretty bad yeah I don't know it's really interesting I think um, yeah. I, uh, I, and I've had Old Blowhard, actually. I had it in a tasting at uh, the Beaumont Inn um, the last time I was there. And I, I was, it was, it's oaky. Like, there's no doubt about it. It's a, it's super oak bomb, but it's not, I found this one to be quite sour and uh, just really, really unappealing. And um, yeah, it, I'm really glad that they gave us that sample, though. Like, I'm really glad you asked for it because uh, I probably wouldn't have the, the balls to ask for it, but good for you. Well, well, I think, I think for, so we should, yeah, we should have kind of explained what we've learned from this because it wasn't, it wasn't so much about, you know, tasting this whiskey per se, as it was about like, what's, you know, we, we never get the opportunity to taste over oaked or bad whiskey or whiskey just doesn't work. We, we taste, you know, what the distillery puts in as the best of what they're doing. And, um, this is an example of here, like for, so you're absolutely right. Like on the nose, I got a lot of like, very glue, kind of industrial, commercial soap, plastic, like very, these very interesting artificial flavors that, you know, you wouldn't, you don't normally associate with whiskey. You might get a little bit of it, but you don't normally, um, very medicinal, soured, great, great example, great point. Um, and super oily, um, super oily and not in the good way, not in the good, like there's, there's an oiliness that, ha- that you get sometimes in, in bourbon that's really nice, um, and sort of velvety. And this was not that kind of, it was like, well, it was, it was really bad. It was, it hung around a little too long. Like yeah. you talk about, uh, you talk about like the, how long the finish is and the, you know, you like want a long finish, but you don't want this like oily sort of mm, finish to it. It was not a, uh, was not pleasant. Um, and we really needed a palate cleanser after it. However, I just thought this was so great, like, to taste a whiskey that's completely failed. Like, how would a whiskey taste when it's been in barrels for too long? Um, and then you kind of associate, okay, we get those oily flavors come from the from the barrel and, and everything else. And how, how, those, how that tastes without necessarily all the kind of fun flavors that we generally like with our, with our bourbons. So yeah, it was a great experiment, um, great taste for us, great, great experiment for us, um, and I really appreciate uh, Buffalo Trace for providing us with that sample. Yeah, yeah, it was super, it was really, really nice of them, and uh, they've been like, they're so cooperative though, and this is again, it seems to me like, you know, the whiskey community, I was talking to um, my friend about it, sort of uh, texting back and forth, and I was like, everyone's just so nice, and just wants to like help you out, or like, for the most part, they're pretty, they're pretty open about what they're doing um and what's going on and like being sort of transparent about things um which i really like and it's really interesting i was i was if um i was gonna have a question for blake that was like he really liked uh kentucky owl 
And there's always been a huge discussion um, about because uh, they're non-distilling producers, um, sort of what that means and um, how you can possibly charge $165 a bottle for an NDP um, whiskey. Yeah. And you've got sort of, obviously there's, you know, there's some people that will take the sort of side that doesn't, it doesn't matter. Good juice is good juice wherever it comes from. And if you have somebody that knows what they're doing, blending or whatever, um, then you're in good shape. I just wonder what's the difference between like doing that and what Willet is doing in terms of they're also releasing very expensive bourbons under their family reserve that they did not make. Yeah, yeah, that's a great, great question. Uh, good point. It's it, it really, and we you know when we uh, when we uh, talked to to Drew, he he was basically like, well, this is you know this is the product that we release, and this is the price point that makes sense. And I think that's a kind of very wine world way of thinking about it. You know, like the wineries will release their Bordeaux at a certain price point. Um, and the people that buy the wine don't ask, oh, well, this isn't nearly as good as blah, 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 and I can get this for half the price. It's more about, wow, we really want this vintage or, um, or this wine from this, uh, this winery. And it will, it's almost the same way, right? Cause they, you're right. They, they do exactly the same thing. They release very expensive products. Um, even, you know, their nine or 10 year old are, are super pricey. You know, you're looking at 80, $90 and then they've got $300 bottles as well and more. Um, really with that same assumption, I think maybe one of the differences is they're, you know, and they're not being, and they're I probably contractually can't be open about where, where they get the yeah, they're not alcohol allowed. from, yeah. but they, they're not being open about where they get the article, where they get the alcohol from. Um, yeah. Like what's the difference? And I think it's maybe that this is what will it does. This is, this is their primary business right now. I mean, they're also making their own whiskey, so that might, you know, things may change around, but for right now, their primary high end business is all purchased barrels. Um, they age, they do age them on, on um, site. So yes, that-, that is, that could be a difference. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong. They also don't choose their barrels though. Yeah. That was an interesting question I asked Drew, um, is whether or not they get to select the barrels that they get from the distilleries that they buy barrels from. And Drew said that they don't, um, that they can ask for a specific, I guess maybe age or mash bill, um, so they get to quantify do that, but otherwise they just get whatever barrels get sent to them. Um, and now it's a matter of, you know, when will those barrels be ready and what the flavor is. So, yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm sort of, I'm of the, I'm more of a easier going sort of, if you haven't been able to tell yet with my bourbon <laughs> consumption, I'm not like particularly fussy, but, um, for me, like, in my opinion, if you have, um, you know, if you have the Kentucky Owl release did really well, release mm-hmm. number one. Um, and I would trust somebody, obviously I would trust Dixon because I think he's great. I think he's super smart. I think he's got a great palate. Um, but that's just because I know him. But like, so I'm obviously super biased. But if you have somebody that's doing uh a really good job who knows her stuff and is releasing this sort of, um, new, exciting, um, product. I, 
would err on the side of just like, hey, this sounds great. And like, I I recognize it's like a total luxury for me to be able to say this. It's very like, not everybody can just, you know, throw down a lot of money on bourbon. And I can't really throw down a lot of money on bourbon. Um, But I'm sort of more of like, if you can, then like, go for it and enjoy it for what it is. And hey, if Kentucky Owl Batch 2 comes out and you did not, you were not impressed with Batch 1, then don't buy it. It's not doing it for you, then just don't, don't buy it again. Don't, you know, don't sort of, I've seen a lot of blog posts that were like completely just like tearing down the idea of like non-distilling producers and just completely like ripping apart these, you know, people that are putting out, um, this juice. And I just don't, I just don't, I I don't think it's that big a deal. Yeah. If you you don't want to pay $165 for a bottle of bourbon, just don't don't do it. Right. Just don't do it. The, the concept being, um, well, I think the Willet is a good example. Mostly I can speak to it more because I've had Willet, uh, I've had a lot of different Willet over the years and the, it works because people buying Willet are not the same people that are buying, um, you know, just like Jack Daniels, they, these are these are you know typically whiskey whiskey collectors, whiskey people, people that love their whiskey, uh, big enthusiasts. And Willet, uh, the barrel selection that Drew and Team do at Willet to when they release their single barrels, clearly that barrel selection that barrel selection process is working really well and producing really high quality whiskey. And in fact, some of the whiskey comes from distilleries we may not always cheer for. Um, you know, rumors has it, you know, it's either Heaven Hill or or um or the same place that Bullet gets their whiskey, their rye from. Like it's we're not necessarily cheering on the distilleries, but we like what they're doing within Willet and what they're producing. And, um, and it also costs a lot of money, but I think in the whiskey world, like anywhere else, there's the, uh, you know, there's the people looking for the deal and the people looking for the rarity. And then the people kind of looking for a little bit of both. Um, and I always get kind of weirded out with very absolute talk in the whiskey world. Um, I like, you know, like, and I hear it all the time. I'm like, Oh, you know, well, you know, you do a whiskey review. It's like, well, this is to this or to that. And I think as a consumer, that's great. Have those opinions that that's exactly you. You should know what you like and you should keep with what you like. Um, but when we talk about whiskey, when we talk about reviewing whiskey, when we talk about recommending whiskey, we can't just be like, oh, you know, X, Y, you know, these, you know, this group of people only likes, you know, very sweet forward bourbon flavor, like very, very forward oaky uh, high proof whiskeys, we should only like high proof whiskeys. No, I mean, I think there's a, there's a lot of variety there. And when reviewing whiskey, it's a matter of what's the whiskey trying to do? What does it fit in the, in the consumer gap and what will people like about this whiskey and what will they dislike about this whiskey? So, you know, I think, you know, reviewed uh, maker's mark, uh, 46 cast strength and on uh, whiskey.buzz. And I mean, my conclusion basically was like, if you like high proof bourbon, this is probably not the whiskey you're going to like. But I actually I ended up doing a lot of side by side comparisons. I'm, I'm actually, I do like it more than the Maker's Mark 46, but I don't think it's as, as well balanced as the Maker's Mark 46. Um, and it's not going to be a whiskey for high proof drinkers. However, if you're drinking Maker's Mark and have kind of more of a lower proof range, what you like to drink, Maker's Mark 46 is going to be fantastic. You're going to drink that and be like, wow, I'm drinking, you know, 54% alcohol and it tastes like nothing. Like it tastes like it has, you know, under 50% 
uh, alcohol content, um, I think people will get a lot of enjoyment out of it. And that's really kind of how when we talk about whiskey, that's the way, you know, I guess that's a different kind of point of view to take on it. But if you're talking about whiskey and recommending whiskey and moving forward in that direction, you have to consider what people like about whiskey. And the same thing's true with price points. Sometimes, you know, I, I personally love tasting really rare whiskeys that are hard to get that have a unique point of view. Um, they don't even have to be really delicious. I mean, the Buffalo mm. Trace failed experiment, great example. It wasn't delicious whiskey. It was a failed experiment. They were never going to sell it. Um, but I really enjoyed the, tasting it because I wanted to have that experience and the same is true for Willet. I think they produce a lot of great single um, single barrel bourbon, and they do a fantastic job at it. Um, Got to try uh, Owl. I haven't tried it yet, so I'm, I'm uh, looking forward to having a taste of that at, at some point. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because in sort of I also um, writing sort of a bit it's, – it's hard to write recommendations, I find, and, and um, I – because – of exactly what you just said. Um, and because it, there is, it's, it is really hard to just like sort of put people into like this box. Like if you drink this, you're going to like that because I don't think that I fit into a box necessarily. I think I, in general, because bourbon is my sort of preference, I, there are other things that really appeal to me, but it does, it's not a universal thing. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I think that, you know, what we're doing is, is a tricky thing, um, by, you know, writing a, you know, any sort of recommendation or, or reviewing anything because it's so, um, it can just change from moment to moment and like person to person, but sort of, there is this overarching idea of what, you know, of what you want to say about the, the whiskey or whatever. So we posted an article on Whiskey Dapas, I guess, last week about um, the bourbon shortage and sort of made it very specific to our province, to Ontario. And I shared it on my uh, Facebook wall and my dad was like, ah, and <laughs> I thought it was really funny. He had a very visceral reaction to it, as did I. Um, but I just... Yeah, I just sort of want to talk a little bit about what's happening in Ontario specifically um, and what bourbons we're going to see sort of like pulled uh, off the shelf. That sounds so sad when you say like pulled off the shelf, like it's such a violent, like they're being yanked off the shelf. But mostly we're just never going to see them again um, because there either isn't enough or um, we've just we've just fallen off the allocation map. So which ones are which ones are you kind of most upset about, Mark? Well, I'll say first, too, I don't normally want to use uh, whiskey.buzz. I don't generally want to use very kind of link-baity, link-bait-based articles. But no, really, Ontario Panic. Like, that was the title is Panic Ontario, the bourbon shortage is here, and it's really Ontario Panic. It's, um, I'm panicked. It's not even, I'm utterly it, panicked. It's not an exaggeration. Um, and it's funny, too. So, you know, this is this is kind of the first article I I did where I was like, wow, I have, like, sources and I had to like confirm sources and, and everything else. Um, so it wasn't just, uh, it wasn't just a guessing game. We, we actually had sources for, uh, for what we put out and things have changed since I wrote the article. So, um, I'll start by saying, I think the biggest surprise for me is like just regular four roses, um, 2695 here in Ontario. Um, 
is get, is likely being pulled off. I'm probably not going to see small batch. Uh, for it was a small batch in a while, for a while. Um, apparently, these are already gone from uh, the in British Columbia. And the whole idea here is they're getting delisted from international sales. So we've already seen this with Elmer T. Lee. Um, Elmer T. Lee, if you're in the U.S., you know it's it's really difficult to get. It's it's a tough product to get. Um, it, last time it was Ontario it was a bunch. It was you know three or four years ago. Um, it it just it'll not come back to Ontario. And then we have you know instances of W. L. Weller where it comes and goes. Um, and whenever a Weller comes into Ontario, it's been selling out faster and faster. So I think for me the biggest surprise is Four Roses, um, which is really interesting because they just had that Four Roses single barrel release for forty five dollars. I thought it was a really great price. We we talked about it a lot already, but. Um, I'm wondering if that's their plan moving forward. I don't have this confirmed or not, but my guess is Four Roses will simply release, you know, annually or biannually, they'll release Four Roses single barrel um, as a way of releasing Four Roses into the market. market. Um, Maker's Mark 46, the status of that got updated from the posting of the article. Originally, it was not ever going to come back mm-hmm. to Ontario, um, but it looks like it's going to be in that same... It's going to be released in the same way Weller 12 is released. So Maker's Mark will appear once or twice a year in the LCBO with um, the way it was put to me at, at much smaller quantities than Booker's. So you can already imagine how quickly Booker's sells out in Ontario. Uh, Maker's Mark 46 will be uh, delivered in, in smaller quantities. Uh, but good news is it, it's, it probably will come back. I'm really I'm kind of worried about the price point because it's already close to $60 here. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, I mean, the Maker's Mark regular costs $45 in Ontario, and it's about a $25 product in the U.S., mm-hmm. so it's almost double. It's already almost double the price. Uh, Maker's Mark 46 is not close to double because that's about a $40 product in the U.S., so interesting. And then um, a lot of speculation on Blanton's um, original single-barrel product. That's the higher proof one we are going to get blanton's special reserve which is the 40 percent abv product um that's also that's that's going to be selling for we uh from what i understand for about 60 dollars canadian so a lot of these products and then eagle rare 10 um eagle rare 10 has traditionally made an appearance around this time of year as far as i know we will not be getting eagle 10 for the remainder of this year um there's there's not no allocation for it um, it might, you know, whether or not it comes back next year, I don't know. And the same is true for Booker's. Um, Booker's has been, like, if you look at the LCBO website, it's gone. It's mm-hmm. uh, been delisted. Um, I don't have any other information on it except for that it's been delisted, but it's, pro- it's probably going to be coming back. I'm s- s- devastated. Like, I'm really sad. Yeah, I, I'm, you know, it's, I think, you know, we've, we've had a bourbon shortage here, but for me, crisis mode is when you can't get the regular stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like you, I mean, you know, you kind of expect, you know, you kind of expect not to get Weller 12 or Elmer T. Lee very often. Sure. But if you can't get Four Roses or you can't get Maker's Mark 46, like, I mean, that's a, that's a scary situation to be in where those whiskeys are just not going to be readily available for you. It's true. And even, even those sort of, uh, you know, there's always that sort of seven or eight that are sort of omnipresent in the LCBO. You know, there's an, uh, quite a lot of Jack Daniels. Um, and there is, like, you can just sort of, um, and there's Buffalo Trace, although that's a question mark a, a little bit. Um, 
and there's, you know, Maker's Mark regular, there's Wild Turkey 81. And so there's this kind of collection of, you know, seven or so that, that are always there. Um, but then there's a the stuff that you sort of want to be able to branch out. Like any new bourbon drinkers uh, are going to want something like Blanton's or Eagle Rare to step up their game. Like this is this is how people sort of become, you know, whiskey people. And it's kind of scary to think that we, you know, might just stick to the, the basics um, and so to speak for a a while, like however long it's going to take to get out of this shortage or, you know, it, so it's kind of a bummer. Like Blanton's is such a great product. Blanton's original single barrel, because first of all, it looks wicked. Uh, it's a great Mm -hmm. host or hostess gift. Um, and it's just such a great product. Uh, the fact that it might be, and it's, it's, it's a step up bourbon. Like, you know, it's, it's one of those ones that you go to when you've, when you sort of feel ready to take the next step and, same with something like a Booker's or a, a Barrel Proof one. I, what else is going to be in the LCBO for anybody that wants to like make a move to a Barrel Proof or learn more about you know whiskeys and single barrels and small batch and whatever? Um, yeah, it's just it sucks, man. It totally sucks. And Ontario, we love our bourbon. I mean, we if you look at like kind of distribution in Ontario, we have ten years ago we had nothing, but. Uh, Maker's Mark 46, a great example. It got released in Canada the same year it got released in the U.S. Um, a lot of these products, um, you know, Canada is such an easy shipping point for, well, I guess I shouldn't say easy because of the LCBO, but at least, you know, it's a near, it's near presence market. It, we, we do get a lot of stuff relatively quickly. Um, so then to have that be taken away and, um, there's been some speculation that the LCBO is making it more difficult. I think that might be the case in some case, in some of these instances where, um, where the LCBO goes to a distributor and says, okay, you've got this much self shelf space, this many bottles. Um, what are you going to send us? And the distributor might be like, okay, well we make more money on this. So this is what we'll send you. Cause you're not, you're not allowing us to expand our presence in your shelves. So, that, so that's one of it. Um, the other side of it, like with the four roses, um, it's definitely just, they're not going to be shipping to international markets because they, they don't have enough supply for the U S. So it's a little bit of a, a little bit of B. I mean, the LCBO is also a you know, now I think it's like the third largest purchaser of, of alcohol in the world. Um, it, you know, used to be number one. Um, so there may be, you know, but, and they are tough to work with and pricing is tough. So a great example is like Maker's Mark 46, 58, 40, $58 right now. Are you going to pay $75 for that drink? Is it even, you know, right. what are you going to pay $68 for that drink? Right. Um, what's the price point where they're going to max out? And, and I think they're probably, on a psychological level, maybe maxing out on, on that $58. Oh yeah. Oh, for sure. It's, it's, yeah. Uh, It's, I'm like stuttering because I'm, there's so many things. Sorry. You might be able to hear some knocking. There's a lot of construction going on in my building today. Um, there's so many things about it that are just, seems like the odds are sort of stacked against us. So everything you said, um, plus yeah, there, I've heard that, you know, the LCBO is, is they make their money on wine and beer, right? Like that's what, but yeah, that's where they make all their money. So basically they're like whiskey. mm, I don't know. Like, unless it's going to sell that they, we can't really go ahead and, and put all these, you know, expensive, 
in like expensive in quotation marks, but these whiskeys that will take up shelf space that people don't know about that people, you know, um, other than like nobody but a whiskey person. Okay. I shouldn't say nobody, but whiskey people are going to look at a bottle of Elmer Teeley because Elmer Teeley came in many years ago, but it stuck around because people didn't know. And so it was one of those like, uh, maybe it stuck around too long. And the LCBO was like, you know what? It took us like two years to get rid of all those bottles. So let's not do that again. Um, we want something we can turn over quickly. That's like wine and beer. Whiskey doesn't turn over as quickly. So they're probably slightly more reticent to, um, just, you know, put it out there. So I, I just, it's super scary. (laughs) I mean, it's not Mm -hmm. scary that there's things to be scared about that are like actually scary, but like, (laughs) like ghosts and haunted houses, there's lots of things to be scared about, but this, this bourbon shortage is, um, yeah, it's just, it's sucky. It's terrible. It's, you know, it's, it's such a passion of ours that it's, you know, a big old disappointment when you get, you know, when you read things like this and, and you confirm and, uh, indeed people are telling us that, uh, we're just going to start to see things disappearing, which is a bummer. Uh, I did find some four roses, all those Toronto people. There are some four roses, yellow label at, um, just not too far from my place. Cheapy. I should have bought it. Yeah. So that's going to be, I mean, so when we talk about bourbon shortage, I think that's, that's really the answer. It's, we're not talking about, in most cases, not about your, 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 you know, general drinks. We're talking about more of the, the higher end drinks, but there are exceptions such as Four Roses, which kind of sucks. Um, this is more excuse to travel to Kentucky more often or the U.S. I'm, I guess is the way to go. I'm on board for that. I'm totally yeah. on board to go to Kentucky. Like, let's go tomorrow. Let's do it. I'm done. Let's exactly just let's go get in the car and drive. Let's go. Yeah, because <laughs> Kentucky in the fall is beautiful. And now I realize that we've spent a lot of time talking about bourbon um, in these last couple episodes. Probably we're still you know hungover from the Kentucky trip and just trying to like squeeze as much out of it as possible. But it sounds to me like we're going to be talking a little bit more about like uh, single malts in the coming months. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to do, uh, at least I'll be writing more about uh, single malt scotch uh, in the coming months, just because uh, it's, it's, it's good. It's a good time of year to write about uh, single malt scotch um, and talking about single malt scotch. We've got a pretty exciting month as well with the podcast. Uh, we're going to talk to, um, Oh, we're going to have, so uh, this month we're going to have uh, Sarah Parniak back. Uh, she's going to talk about cocktails. Um, we're trying to work it out with Matt Jones to have him back on the show. He's um, the best. He's so busy. He's so busy. So whenever he's in Toronto next, we'll uh, we'll record a podcast with him. Um, and we have a couple of special uh, guests as well that um, we're working with to talk more about the science of uh, of whiskey making and that kind of thing. And Jamie, I had this great idea, though. I don't know who mm-hmm. to go to yet, mm-hmm. but... We should uh, we should have a doctor on the show. Oh, we should not my doctor. Not your doctor. No, she no, no, hates no. me already. She's mad that I drink too much. So not my doctor. But yeah, no, we can get no. a doctor. Have a doctor like, on the show to explain to us what happens when we drink booze. I don't know. Do we do we want to know this? I feel a little nervous. <laughs> like, well, I, I think I'm, <laughs> you know, this will be kind of like when when we had Mike DeCaro on and, and he talked a lot about gin and I just made smart aleck remarks every once in a while. Let's do that. <laughs> It'll be like that. It'll be just like the doctor being, well, you shouldn't really, like, but it's okay, right? But it's you know? okay. But what you're saying is that it's okay. I think this is a great idea. I think it'll be fantastic. Let's get a doctor on here. Let's make sure that, you know, we've got all our facts straight. I think it's a great idea. 
I mean, if you're a listener and you happen to be a doctor um, and you want to be on a show, do do contact us. Yes, There's... actually, this is a great point, Mark. If you're a whiskey drinking doctor, please be in touch with us because you're the kind of doctor we want to talk to, <laughs> not my doctor. No, no, not Jamie's doctor. <laughs> oh, man. So that's our show, everybody. Thank you for listening. Um, as always, you can find me on Twitter at M-A-R-K-B-Y-L-O-K, but uh, do check us out on whiskey.buzz. There's no vowels except for the Y, which is a sometimes vowel. It doesn't count. And, of course, the U and buzz, but that's the Details. dot part, Details. so it doesn't matter. So W-H-S-K-Y dot buzz. Yeah, me and Mark <laughs> and, hang out there a lot. And uh, you can find and me at Bourbon Thing. Um, also, you can follow us on uh, Twitter at The Whiskey Topic, um, on Facebook, <laughs> The Whiskey Topic. You can find us on Twitter at Whiskey Buzz. We're everywhere. You literally can't not find us. We're just, <laughs> we're just omnipresent. I think I've used that word twice now in this podcast. Omnipresent? I don't even know if I'm using Was it Is it your right. word of the day? It could be. <laughs> it it might, could it, be. I might be using it wrong, but hey, I sound pretty smart. <laughs> <laughs> the 